Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. We start with headline news and then journey to deeper conversations, always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm Marcel Swally, that dude. And today, let's chop up some wood in Russia. I mean, America. I mean, she's home. My baby's home. Brittany Griner released. Yes, it stole the headlines this week. And it also divided people, as usual. (laughs) We find a way to pick a side, boy. I'm talking about jets and sharks, crips and bloods, liberals, conservatives. We find a way, don't we? Uh, We'll talk about that maybe another time while we do that. It's actually for our own protection. But let's talk about Brittany Griner being home and this negotiation that was forced (laughs) The rules that we played by were forced on America by Russia. Why? Because Russia doesn't have to play by the rules. Now, they play by a set of rules, but not the rules that America aligns and abides by. So now you got a situation where you're playing one game with two sets of rules. So what set of rules wins? Well, in this negotiation, I tell you why Russia certainly had the upper hand. Is because they played America based off America's desires. They looked at us and said, what do they need? Where America usually walks into a negotiation, as Americans do, and we say, what do I want? Y'all catch the difference? And this is something that we all can learn from. Like, go into a situation and don't think about yourself first. Think about how they're going to try and play you against yourself first. America was sitting there saying, what do I want? And the Russians said, oh, we know what you want because we know what you need. You need to protect your image of dominance. You need to protect that domestic product that you guys export greater than anything you export from America, which is our culture. Mm -hmm. You ever left America? You ever go anywhere And immediately you're hit with questions and fascination from people 
talking about America's culture, our arts, our entertainment, our music, our sports, just who we are, our way of life, our celebrity. So this negotiation, as much as it was about Victor Bowden, Paul Whelan getting left behind, which is obviously sad as he served this country, and Brittany Griner actually being a celebrity, so therefore getting the preferential treatment. This negotiation was a conversation of needs and wants. And America had to protect its greatest interests, which is that image. It became obviously a political chip for the Biden administration and something you could throw on your resume. Uh, it rings around the world differently to bring home Brittany Griner than Paul Whelan. Let's just be real. So what does Russia do? The first thing they say is, hey, take it or leave it. And it sounds good when you're sitting back just theorizing on what America should do, not really feeling the impact, not only politically, but to the lives of the individuals we're discussing. It's easy to make your decision from afar, but our administration was really in this fight. And this wasn't a quote unquote fair fight. Therefore, the outcome wouldn't be quote unquote fair, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it was a negotiation with a country that says, our rules will be the rules we play by in this negotiation. I just saw America once again suffer from not having enough foresight because we made this decision a long time ago. Therefore, Russia gave us no choice. We made this decision a long time ago when we elevated celebrity to this level. Brittany Griner playing six years in Russia is a celebrity in Russia on top of being a celebrity in America. So this was a conversation where they used attention as the currency and said, America, we know y'all will pay for attention. <laughs> and we paid big. We gave up the merchant of death, the merchant of death, of death, the former chief Operating officer of the DEA once said he was the most dangerous person on the planet. One of the most dangerous people on this planet. Yeah. We gave him up for Brittany Griner to ball out. And speaking of someone who everyone wishes was balling out, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck got tired of being on that cycle, being on that treadmill, of getting hurt, rehabbing, getting hurt, not living out your full potential, not expressing yourself to the fullest. And it's tough to recover from injury, not just physically, but more so mentally. Like it takes a chunk of flesh from you when you talk about coming back from an injury. Let's talk about the trauma of the moment physically. Then you have to fix that, probably surgically. Then. You have to rehabilitate yourself just to get back to who you were. And all this time, not only having you improved on who you are, but everyone else who has stayed healthy has gotten better. Now you are back to who you are. And to become greater than that person, that version, you got to trust yourself. And it's hard to trust something that continuously lets you down. Think about that. Think about who you're dating. Think about who you're married to, whatever it may be. Someone who consistently lets you down. And that 
form in that facet, you don't trust them. Now imagine that's your entire being. That's your body. That's what you use as instrument to participate. You don't trust your body. People just like write it off or dismiss it. Like, oh man, come on, dog. Get back. Hurry back. You know, prayers up. I'll see you in a second. Ain't that easy, big dog. Getting knocked down off that hill. I remember growing up, there's a guy, living legend. I don't know if a lot of you guys know him, but track and field star, especially at the youth level, Obi Moore. And I ran track with Obi. He was younger than me, but boy, was he faster than me, even though he was younger than me, faster than everybody. So I don't feel bad. I don't feel slighted. This dude set every single record, I swear, from age eight to 17, like insane, like probably faster than Usain Bolt at this time. Like literally every age group, he was the fastest guy ever. And it was from the hundred meter to the mile, like hundred, 200, 400, 800 mile. Both relays, of course. He was insane. And I remember, I think it was his junior year in high school, first time he got hurt. And it was crazy because from the outside, it was like, how's he going to respond? And everybody was like, of course, once he's healthy, he's going to be the best again. But Obi suffered in that moment. Obi went through some of what Andrew Luck went through in terms of questioning how much love you have for the sport questioning how deep is that love for the sport questioning can you get back to where you were questioning will you ever be the same or better than you were and despite you checking the boxes and going to practice and going to rehab and going out there and putting in the work there's a box that you have to check that no one gets to see but you mm-hmm. that one is not hidden in plain sight. Nope. It is hit deep behind the curtains, deep in that subconscious damn near. Like you got to believe it, that conviction that you're going to come back. Obi didn't come back to it. Cause I think in those moments you're confronted with how bad and how deeply do you really want it? Andrew Luck answered it. And he answered it in a resolute way. He was like, I've made my clear choice. I won't waver. I can see the contrast between playing and living. And that's an interesting place to be. I saw it up close too with Obi. He tried, he tried, but he didn't. Man, it seems like Andrew Luck doesn't want the spotlight, but somebody who not only wants it, but relishes in it, Deion Sanders. And maybe he doesn't want the spotlight in this respect because Deion Sanders now, has entered the conversation of quote-unquote being a sellout. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know many words, if any words, maybe the N-word, and not even the N-word, that disturbs me more than this word. And it's not so personal that it's disturbing. It's because of its effect on others. Let's talk about sellout. That word, and one thing that I always say is, you're not a sellout. You just didn't buy in to the bullshit. You're not a sellout. You just didn't buy in to the ignorance. And what is that ignorance? What is that BS, right? Well, it starts with a racial insecurity. It starts with a fractured cultural identity. It starts where you're not in the healthiest place. So therefore, 
you think things are binary. You think that you're either black or you're not, quote unquote, sellout. Here's the issue. That word and its electric emotional charge is what protects and boxes in black people more than anything. It's there to protect its borders. It's there to establish borders. It's there to make sure you don't leave the box. Woo. Because if you do, that culture of thoughts and words and actions, like what we think black is, you must abide you must subscribe too, because if you don't, then you are a sellout. Do y'all see how damning and how damaging that is to be called someone who left what you define as what black is? <laughs> Whereas I know a lot of people like me, but it doesn't seem to be the mainstream narrative, but it is real that whatever a black person is, is blackness, <laughs> like whatever, skier, blackness, uh, surfer, blackness, uh, opera singer, blackness, nerd, blackness, anything, everything that a black person does is blackness. But what's even harmful about that is that you still got to label it, <laughs> whereas you shouldn't have to go there. These damn labels like Dion is not a sellout for going to another job that is a better job, that is a job that has greater resources, that would help his platform, help his coaching, help him progress to where he wants to be. Dion Sanders, not you, not your dream that you want Dion to live, like what Dion wakes up wanting to do. He's gotten closer to doing that. But everybody say, oh, but he shouldn't have said what he said when he was at Jackson State. What do you mean? Recruit? Oh, oh no. Say that God told him to do it? Well, maybe God's still talking. <laughs> maybe God's still telling him what to do. But to call him a sellout because you're unhappy, mm, got to get over that. You know what sustains this whole myth of a black monolith? Like they move in this big mass you know what protects those borders what keeps you boxed in what keeps you from stepping outside of that quote-unquote ideal or quote-unquote thought of what blackness is someone calling you a sellout i know it i know it i talked to too many cats who will dm me will call me will text me something that is not quote-unquote Supporting the culture. <laughs> Let's just say that. And I'm like, well, then say it. Tell the world. Why are you telling me only? Because I'm, you know me, I'm gonna say it. And well, I mean, come on, dog. You know what they you know what they're gonna say. You know how they're gonna act. You know what they're gonna say about me. And I'm like, so you rather stay in terms of ideology confined, imprisoned, just because you don't want to step outside and express yourself full freedom. You'd rather stay in that box. I don't give a damn how big it is. It's still a box. You'd rather stay there than to just say, funk it. I'll do what the hell I want to do. And y'all take it as is and don't question my identity. 
You can have an idea. You can do something. You can do anything out here. But don't you try and now restrain me and use it by a term? Like change all of what I can be, all of my potential, all of who I am, and all of that gets undermined. All of that gets drained by being called a sellout. Man, Dion boy, don't you turn back, bruh, in terms of what you want to be. Now let's move to a story where interesting what was he doing in talking about University of Texas basketball coach arrested for domestic violence. I think it's only his second year, Coach Beard. And I, I, I hear you guys right now, man, whether you're an athlete or coach or just in sports in general, why so much domestic violence? Why athletes, why y'all always get caught up in these domestic violent incidents? And it's interesting, this one, because he gets arrested and immediately his lawyer comes out and says, not only is he 100% innocent, duh, they all say that, but they don't all say this. He should never have been arrested. Quote, the complainant, that means the person that uh, called the cops or is on the other side, the plaintiff, Wants him released immediately and all charges dismissed. It is truly inconceivable. Mm, those are strong words right there. Ah, this takes me places. Let's go there. Let's go to those places. Okay, you're having a dust up with your significant other. Because uh, as we were talking about Brittany Griner earlier, um, men are not the only ones uh, that are the culprits in these situations. That Brittany Griner one time also was the culprit. Um. You're with your significant other, right? Gets heated, blah, 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 problems, fights, arguments, whatever. Police call. Someone has to go to jail, right? Someone has to go to jail. And in a moment where logic is losing to emotions, uh, you may make a decision that is not logical, that is not rational, and worse, not real. Mm. You ever been emotionally blinded to a place where what you said bordered the truth, but <laughs> didn't reside in the truth. I don't know this situation in its entirety, but I do know for someone to now reverse course that fast, it sounds like she was in the moment. It got heated. They mentioned a strangulation. Oh God, what the hell going on over there? Um, and either exaggerated what happened or we need to move on no matter what happened because that's now between us if we can put that genie back in the bottle because there are bigger fish to fry. See, when you wreck the home, when you call the police, when this happens and it's not merit-based 100%, like there's some emotions, there's some exaggeration, there's some, I'm lying to kick it, whatever that may be. Woo. Oh, you come to your senses fast. <laughs> you realize, oh, career may be gone. And I, and I say maybe, and I should probably say definitely. I mean, it's hard to survive with this on the record. You got to start from scratch again. Career may be gone, right? Everything you work for in a flash. Gone. It's like, damn. So these situations, as I was a player rep for nine of my 10 years, and I remember seeing these situations, not only work with the director of security, but sometimes we had to work with the FBI. 
and you hear about all these incidents that weren't for public consumption. Like a lot of stories that happened in the NFL, you guys don't even hear about. Yeah, I know Adam Schefter is on his game, but not all things get out. And I remember seeing him come across the desk and having to resolve these situations. And being real, some some to many times the woman was exaggerating or flat out lying. And some to many times the guy was actually guilty. And it just kind of went back and forth case by case. It wasn't like a sweeping lies. It wasn't a sweeping telling the truth. Every case was different. And it was crazy. You, Yeah, her. Yes, Miss Beautiful. Sweet lady we always see in, in after the game right there getting something to eat. Yep, she lied. Or, oh, your boy. Man, he was so quiet and cool. Yep, he did it. So it was crazy seeing that all the time. Let's get to some quick hit of quitters right now. Oh, man, y'all see that fake injury by Cam Jordan? Hit his pockets. Yeah. Where they find the Saints? The Saints, of course, it's the Saints. Of course, it's the Saints. Of course, it's the Saints. Again. Oh, man, they came by a break. The Saints. Bounty Gate, remember that? They were not the only team doing Bounty Gate. We were doing Bounty Gate. We just didn't call it Bounty Gate. We were just like, yo, here's a thousand. Knock that, knock that fool out. <laughs> and they got caught up in it. But the NFL is right on this one. I don't know if the dollar amounts are right because – over half a million dollars, but you got to protect not only the brand, protect the shield, but protect the integrity of the game. That collective belief that this game ain't rigged has to be protected at all costs because right now, all sports, including NFLs in bed with all these gambling sites that close, you know, sleeping on different sides of the bed, but you know, <laughs> you're still in there and people are like, hmm. We got to make sure none of these games are compromised. So when you fourth down, look to the sidelines, sidelines do something in communication, you all of a sudden tap out just so you can stop the play, stop the game action, stop the steam rolling that was occurring, stop the momentum, whatever it may be. You start compromising this game in that respect, oh, they're going to come down with a heavy one. And yes, the NFL did. Ooh, talk about a heavy one. The Bucks took a heavy one. Mm. The Bucks got smashed by San Francisco with the rookie quarterback. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant ain't irrelevant anymore. You know what's crazy about this? This is exactly what the Bucks signed up for. Mm-hmm. They signed up for this. When uh, Tom Brady misses 11 days of training camp, when Leonard Fournette becomes five net, six net, just big, and then, oh, I ain't that big. Oh, I weigh the same. You try to run that game on people. Like, the the scale says the same, but let's just say my pants don't fit the same. You know what I mean? Like, he just doesn't look the same. I don't know if he's the same way or not. He just look a little different. And obviously, with that run game, he's playing a lot different too. But the point is, Brady tapping out real reasons, trying to save your your, your marriage, whatever, real reasons, but tapping out. You know, once you cross the white lines, you got to leave all that real life on the other side. You know, that's what Andrew Luck was dealing with. Leave that real life over there or stay over there. Bruce Arians, smarter than we think, smarter than we thought. Let's say that. He escaped this. Bruce Arians like, um, yeah, instead of coaching, let me just go upstairs and watch this from afar, even though I'll be close in the building. And Ty Bowles being Ty Bowles, man, uh, Nobody gets more like love and respect and just doesn't add up to wins in the league than Ty Bowles right now, man. So it's crazy to watch this. But Tampa, 
Don't feel bad. Y'all got your Super Bowl out of it. And don't feel bad because you guys signed up exactly for this. And uh, look at that Jim Harbaugh right now. Michigan signed up to win the national championship. Let's see if they could do it. And if they do it, is Jim Harbaugh gone? There's a lot of talk about him going to Indianapolis next year. Stay still. All college coaches know this. And I, I, I don't understand why this is not the mainstream narrative about this. It is way better to coach college than it is the pro game. Y'all need to stop with like, it's the highest level. Yeah, for the players, not for the coaches. The coaches in college have more stability, more job security, higher salaries, more power. It's just not the highest level. But you could take the G5 or G6 from the institution and fly around and recruit only the top dogs you know, the five stars when you want to, got your staff doing all the rest. You make more money than the pro coaches on average, the top dogs do. And you can stay there longer. It's not like as soon as you get the money and get the job, they're trying to look for you to get out the room, get out the door, get off the sidelines. They're not trying to fire you as soon as they hire you. So it's crazy. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, especially him climbing this mountain in Michigan, as long as it took, and it wasn't even that long. It's just his expectations were so absurd. We just thought he was going, Jim Harbaugh did it in San Diego. Jim Harbaugh did it in San Francisco. Jim Harbaugh is going to do it. It took a little time. But now that you've gotten this program to this level, bruh, don't look back. And speaking of someone got it to a level, Aaron Judge got paid $360 million. That's what I read, right? $360 million. Good Lord. Woo. Mm. Got to be more careful. Oh, man. Now, I got paid, and I'm going to tell you all the number, because <laughs> when you say $360 million, it doesn't sound like bragging when you say you got paid $40 million. And I got paid $40 million in 2001. Man, let me just try to connect to Aaron Judge in this respect, because he got he 9 x me. He got 9X on your boy. <laughs> um, what it felt like to get paid. i tell you what it feels like. And it's not what they advertise. Like you're still on planet Earth. You still deal with the weather. You still breathe the same air. People will treat you differently, which you would think is, all right, you know, heaven on Earth. Not necessarily because now not only people are treating you excessively well, but more importantly, you don't know who and why everyone is in your corner. Ooh, (laughs) that's the kicker. Oh, man, to question everyone's interest, to question everyone's sincerity, that was the bad part about getting paid. The good part was, damn, you could go anywhere and do what you want to do, basically, because this world is priced for the above average. I won't even see the average Joe, like the the median income, the mean income. I won't say that. I'll say it's priced for somebody just slightly above that, right? But you could go to Walmart and act a donkey. If you got money, let alone 360, it just felt good to walk around and say, not only I put into this game and this game put out for me, but boy, wherever I go, here I am. And I ain't coming by myself. And I got the tab. Felt good to do that. Let's talk about Nia Long and Ime Udoka officially split after 13 years. I saw that at the headline. You know what was sad? And I don't think this got enough attention. Their kid, their son. You imagine being a young kid and 
not only scandal, but salacious scandal, sexual scandal, making your mom look bad in a negative light. Why? Because daddy didn't want mama. He wanted everyone at work. (sighs) Daddy is not the honorable father superhero you thought he was because he's out there just getting on the phone with you, checking on your homework, talking to you about your day. And then Lord knows, well, actually we do know what he was up to all of that while still talking to you as that father figure, the, the ever present father. Oh man, your trust issues gotta be running crazy rampant right now in terms of the meaning How do I define who my mom is? As much as you know, you're going to read, you're going to hear, you're going to see things that compromise or at least challenge that, which is sad to even have to be in that position. And worse, you don't even have to read it about your pops. You're going to feel it yourself. You might write it yourself about pops. All bad all around. And speaking of all bad, Cardi B says uh, them butt shots are all bad. And she wants to warn girls now after she got that big booty and who knows what perks came from the big booty and the butt shots. Uh, Now, all ladies should love themselves and be themselves and stay away from them butt shots. Well, that message is old um, and that message needs to stay current because it's crazy walking around here now looking at people looking like RoboCop or androids i don't know what the hell like caricatures like like first of all bodies don't look like that but more importantly i don't care if you carve up your body like that i don't care let me tell you why because i carved up my body a little bit different way i remember i got five ear piercings on one side three on the other a nose ring that i still have if you really look you'll see a dot on my nose and it's not the oldest pimple in the world it's damn wiley you thought you were tupac with your big ass yep that was me. Um, I'm not here to tell you exactly do with your body, but I'm here to help you in terms of your thoughts and why you even did that to your body in terms of your mindset. Love that natural. Love that authentic. Love that aging self that you are. Whatever is coming. I mean, go to the gym. Yeah. Eat right. Yeah. Uh, get rest. Yeah. But don't get the surgery just because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Don't get the surgery because you think that a 50-year-old shouldn't look like a 50-year-old. Don't get the surgery so you get hollered at at the club. Like, that's some stupid stuff right there. And I think Cardi B is coming from that angle. Like, love yourself, especially more than those who are out there trying to judge you. Oh, speaking of judgment, Michael Parson. Did y'all see his tweet? Michael Parson got caught. <laughs> that third rail, that that social media third rail. Michael Parson tweeted out talking about Paul Whelan and we 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 got Brittany Griner and not a, a Marine, a serviceman, and immediately had to come with as I call it the double tap. Someone double taps you on your shoulder like, uh, did you really mean that? Uh, uh, excuse me, do you want to take that back? Oh, uh, 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 what you mean? What you mean? <laughs> and then he had to start tweeting and tweeting, and this was the worst part. Micah, say it with your chest, dog. You said it with your chest, and then all of a sudden, your chest just caved in. Said, um, look, I'm not a Trump supporter and uh, also not a fan of Biden. <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, they, you got this dude in the voting booth now, scared to, scared to even put a name down. And I thought it was private in the voting booth. We don't give a damn who you voting for. 
What they got to do with the tweet? Uh, that's our problem today. All this divisive conversation and rhetoric and name calling and labeling leads you to saying what you really feel and then retorting because you feel that you have now been called out, ostracized, or challenged. What happened to doubling down, damn it? <laughs> like people don't double down no more. I understand if you're wrong, say you're sorry. But you're not wrong, Micah Parsons. You're just different. And it's okay to be different like you're on that football field. Boy, that boy different. Um, Y'all see the former Bills punter, Matt Ariza, Ariza. I don't know how to say your name, bro. Um, No criminal just filed. Interesting. Interesting. Didn't see many headlines on this, but it flashed across. I'm amazed at how the apology is never as loud as the accusation. Like, in any situation. And I'm not talking about, did he do something and he just got off or they didn't even try to press charges and he did something. Y'all going way too deep with this. I'm just saying it was headline news when my man was up for these charges. And now it is barely bottom ticker when he has no criminal charges filed against him. Obviously, it's still going to be a civil lawsuit. Um, but I want to just educate people to both sides of this. Um, they say the number one reason for false accusation is shame. Shame. Like, oh, I did that, but I don't want the world to know I did that. Shame. So my story will change so people don't think I did that. That's one side. The other side is it's really tough to get charges pressed against you when you're talking about sexual assault for the obvious. He says, she say crime, right? Or he say, he say, she say, she say in this world today with the pronouns. But the point is, it's your word against theirs most of the time. And then it falls into circumstantial evidence and witnesses who weren't there, eyewitnesses, but there in terms of trying to create story, narrative. Oh, I saw him 10 minutes before. Oh, I saw her 15 minutes before. Oh, they were flirting. That doesn't lead you to the moment of truth. And that's the issue with these. But be interesting to see how this plays out in the civil court. And more importantly, to see how it plays out in terms of his career. If you are accused of something and exonerated, don't you get your opportunity back? At least that's what it says in the book. That's what it says in the letter to the law, the law letter to the ethics. But let's see if that intent is met in reality. Lead you guys on a sad note, unfortunately. I saw a 10-year-old lost their 12-year-old sister. She lost her mother and father in a plane crash and woke up texting her parents when would they pick her up from her sleepover. Texting her deceased parents, not knowing but asking, when would they pick her up from her sleepover? Ooh. I had a traumatic experience, and it wasn't on this scale by any stretch, but it still hit me like none other. Uh, I lost my best friend when I was 11. Uh, Corby Van Drake got hit by a car on his bike on the way home from school. And why this story hits me just like that 
hit me then is because he went to school, rode his bike, was riding his bike home, and we had a play date. We were about to ride our bike as soon as we got back home from school. That's what we were going to do. That's what we normally did. And for him to be late, and I remember in those moments, him not coming at the normal 3.30, 3.45, 4 o'clock. Now I'm thinking, do I got to get on my bike and go? I know where his school is. Do I got to go find him? Do I got to trace his tracks? But I'm like, why would I do that? And where will I start? And he won't be there. And then he'll be home and I'll be at his school. But I remember, I remember the first person that told me that he was hit by a car. And you, you don't even understand where to place that. And I didn't know where to put it. I didn't know what extreme to put it. Like he got hit by a car and, oh, go see him and he's okay. Or he got hit by a car and it wasn't okay. But I remember going to the hospital with all that uncertainty. And getting to the hospital and not being allowed to see him. Because I wasn't family. I was like, that's my best friend. You're not family. I was like, I'm closer to him than some of his family. You're not family. And I'm an 11-year-old, so I don't have much fight in this. I don't have much sway in this. And I remember this doctor walking by. He said, son, you can look right here and you can see your friend. And it was a window. And out that window was a helicopter and a gurney rolling my friend out. And all I could see was sheets, bandages, braces. It looked like a blood stain, head area, and the helicopter is just swirling its propellers. That was the last time I saw my friend ever in that state. He passed away the next day, head trauma from the accident. My my prayers, my my whole essence and desire of strength and courage and enlightenment goes out to that 10-year-old girl who has to suffer through the uncertainty and what she went through. And a future without her family, without her parents. Ooh, that's tough. All right, uh, let's switch gears. And I mean switch gears. Let's get to Tiki time. Goodness, boy, go have me over here crying. Uh, Tiki time, what's your favorite movie? Ooh, I hate to be this guy. I'm a fence rider, but I'm on both sides. I got two. <laughs> I hate to do it, but I got a tie. One is Boys in the Hood. Yep, stereotypical. Call me who I am. Damn right. Love that movie. Uh, my other one is Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming, did y'all? <laughs> you know why? I think both of them have this thing in common. That your dream has to get reimagined. Like, the way you want to live your life, the way you wrote down your life, what you want to become in life, eh, you're going to have to hit the edit button a few times, right? It's going to get changed and misdirected. But ultimately, you can achieve what you want. 
no matter what the circumstances are, whether you're in Compton, South Central, Boys in the Hood, you're Trey and you got friends who are in the streets and friends who are up to no good and you got friends also balling out of control who get killed. Rick, hey! <sighs> that movie hit home, obviously, because I'm from that neighborhood, but more importantly, because of the variables, the attributes. Like, it just seemed like it was a gumbo mix of all the things that I was dealing with and I was seeing. The adversity, the poverty, the gangs, the drugs, the low ambition, and how you still got to find a way out of that. Mm. And Goodwill Hunting, that grabbed me because here's a guy with immense potential, like a genius who's like a janitor, like like a genius who can't imagine himself living that grand of life, displaying his greatest talents. Oh, man. And that's what the hood made me feel like at times. Like, like it made me think I can't imagine being exactly who I want to be, exactly who I should be. Those two movies intersect right there, that you can be who you want to be, but you got to be courageous. You got to be persistent and you better find that passion and ride that fuel all the way out. All right. New segment. Ask that dude. I do this on Twitter. Typically people just write in uh, questions to me. And I, I tell you, I told y'all I was going to answer them. Here we go. At Jim Mugno. Mugno asked me on Twitter. Who was the kindest person you've met in entertainment and sports? Ooh, there's another tie. Here we go. Look at me like, damn, Wally, you're going to rip your jeans, splitting the fence. Oh, man. It's a tie between Doug Flutie and Junior Seau. Now, this is a high tie, too, because there's a lot of guys, dozens, if not hundreds of guys who have just been great. Great. Big hearts. Cool dudes. Phil Hansen, Bruce Smith. Like, come on. I I'm going to forget more than I'm a name. But. I remember when Doug Flutie came into our locker room one time and maybe I was a second year player. Yeah. He's like, who wants to go with me back to BC to get inducted into the wall of fame? And I'm looking around like, damn, I want to go, but damn, I'm a second year player who ain't that cool with Doug Flutie. And ain't no way I'm going to skip the line like that. So I'm just sitting there. And surprisingly, remember I told you about Russell Wilson's birthday party. A lot, of good, a lot of dudes didn't raise their hand. They were like, oh, you know, the kids, oh, oh, the wife, oh, man, what time we get back, blah, blah, blah. So all of a sudden, I'm getting the courage. I'm raising my hand. He's like, Wiley, you want to go? Let's do it. Whew. Time of my life. Doug Flutie, his face is a walking ticket to any sporting event in this world. <laughs> Dude, we land. First of all, we take a private plane. That was my first time ever on a private jet. I was like, Doug. Flutie, <laughs> we over there eating the, the fancy foods. We land private plane, police escort for Doug Flutie. I was like, damn. Get there. This dude sitting in the crowd. We're watching a BC game in the crowd with Doug Flutie. Hello. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing right here? It was insane. I was like, I am with like the living legend in his soil, on his turf, and people were so fascinated. Like, people 30 rows from us was sitting there trying to take pictures 
but not even coming up to us to take the picture. Just like I got to have Doug Flutie in it and taking a picture of themselves like a selfie, but Polaroid style or something. <laughs> Selfies of Doug Flutie 30 feet, 30 rows back. It was crazy. Then obviously he goes to the induction. We take the private jet back and make practice the next day. That dude was just open, man. To this day, man, we text back and forth. Amazing dude. Amazing heart. Him and Junior Seau, because Seau, mama's chicken, his mom used to mm, hook it up for the whole locker room to eat. He had his restaurant, Seau's restaurant, and every time you walk in there, buddy, I'm looking out, and Junior was like on a mission to take the tab, to intercept the tab, and he just always was open, always open arms to you, to your teammates, to your family, to your friends, to your cousin who wanted to autograph. Always there for us. It was crazy, man. And Junior Seau, man, it was almost like he couldn't say no. That was the craziest thing about Junior. That dude was so kind-hearted. I don't think I ever saw him say no. Let's end on the Wileyism, y'all. Y'all ready for this Wileyism? Let's do it. Real ones stab you in the chest, not the back. Mm. Real ones stab you in the chest, not the back. Y'all catch it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. One, you're not my friend if you don't talk bad about me somehow, some way, somewhere. For real. Like, if you don't have a criticism for me, we got a problem. Real ones stab you in the chest, not the back. So a real one's going to come up to you face to face, hit you with something, and tell you, hey, dog. You know, when you were doing that, maybe you should have. Or, hey, man, it could be something just simple. Like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Your friends, so you don't grow into this world where you got yes men and yes women around you, right? Real ones stab you in the chest, not the back. These fakers out here, these posers out here, oh, they're going to talk about you, but not when you're there. And that's the craziest thing because we all criticize. Stop acting like you don't. You, You too. We all criticize. We all got an opinion. We all differ. But who's going to do that in front of the person? A lot of times my wife would have an issue with somebody. And at the end of the conversation, I'm always saying the same thing. So why don't you tell them? <laughs> like, and that is so defeating to anyone who's huffing and puffing about somebody. You say, so why don't you tell them? Like, I, I can help. I could try and navigate this conversation from afar. But the simple answer is y'all talking this out. Y'all get through this. Oh, man, she hates me when I do that. But real one stab you in the chest, not the back. Oh, that'll do it for us, man. That's another episode of More To It. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Y'all want to keep the conversation going? Let's talk. You can find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. Also, that hashtag, you know what it is. Ask That Dude. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley, Paul Anderson, and Nick Panella. I'm Marcellus Wiley. That Dude! Thanks for listening. And thanks for those reviews. And I need more reviews. Damn, y'all don't give me enough reviews. Stop tweeting me, DMing me. Oh, the show is bomb. Oh, you're killing it. Texting me. Leave a review, damn it. Thanks for listening and thanks for the reviews, like I said. Keep them coming. There's more coming from more to it. Talk to y'all next week if y'all do some reviews. (laughs) All right, y'all. Gone. I'm 
Hannah Storm and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.